Hola Conchitas, welcome back to the Subconscious Podcast. Grab your cafe, tea, or chocolate de abuelita, and don't forget your conchas because we have a whole new episode this week for you. I'm your host, Stephanie Cortez. And I'm your other host, Evelyn Salazar. And this is episode 12 of season two. This week, we have two special guests, Dave Kassler and Leah Landaverde. In this episode, we have both Leah and Dave break down how to manage your finances better in your 20s, what you can do now to save some cash, and where to invest if you haven't done so yet. We hope you enjoy and learn something in this episode because I'm pretty sure you will. All right, Conchitas, we have a whole new episode for you guys. And in this special episode, we got two guests. Our first guest is Leah. She's 24 years old, a U of U alumni, master in finance, wealth coach, a queen, queer Latina, killing the game in the finance world, who is focused on helping others break generational curses and help them become wealthy and abundant. And Dave Kassler is a 25-year-old supervisor in the aerospace industry, making a decent amount of money at his young age. He's a player in the stocks game and recently just had his home built. He is continuing a degree in business and accounting. These two special guests in their 20s have been able to master the finance game and are here to share their tips and insight on how you can start saving too. So before we get started, y'all, what is your anthem song? So like if you walk into a room, which song is playing in the background? I got you. So hello, I'm Leah, the wealth coach, a queen, like she said. (laughs) You know what? I would walk in with Legend playing by Drake. I don't know if you've heard it, but that has been my anthem since I graduated with my like my high school diploma and my associate's degree together when I was like 17. And that was the anthem I played when I walked after like I walked down and I like got in my car and was driving to like my party at home. I was like, I'm a legend. I'm a motherfucking legend. And so that would be my song. I love it. (laughs) It's very much you. (laughs) Dave, what would yours be? Mm, uh, I don't know. I'd say it probably changes from time to time, you know, whatever. If a new song comes out and I'm really feeling it, I'd say right now it's probably one by Logic. I don't know if you've heard that one. It's like an older song, but he just barely re-released it. So I think that would probably be the one. The one. one. (laughs) No No pun intended. (laughs) Stephanie oh I got a couple girl right now like the song has been like playing in the background for me is Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran I don't know if you guys have heard it I have I love it I love that song and I was like yeah that's me I feel like I'm the bad habit people just come back to me but you know whatever (laughs) and then I always feel like my go-to song my theme song I don't know it's just me I feel like such a cowboy when I play the song is like here I go again by the white snake do you guys know what I'm talking about no no (laughs) I don't want to play. Do you think we'll get in trouble? Copyright? Yeah, no. Yeah, we shouldn't. Okay. Look it up. It's a good song. What about you, Evelyn? Uh, I feel like it honestly would be any 1975 song. Actually, I do have a one song that's like followed me throughout the years that I really enjoy. It's called Young Blood by The Naked and Famous. And it's kind of like, I don't know, it's just super motivational for me. And it's again it's like followed me through my life and a lot of big moments it's always played so I'll say that one okay I need to look this up after I was like I don't know what she's talking about but yes okay all right okay now we got our theme songs y'all gotta like look into them but on to the podcast episode itself why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourself go ahead Leah Yes, so my name is Leah Landa Verde I am a first generation queer Latina in this finance game I have been 
studying finance since I was 15 years old because I started college at 15. So I've been around for a while. I'm almost, I'm 24, so almost 10 years. So I'm currently a wealth coach serving the BIPOC and LGBTQ community, helping them break those curses that we've had for so many generations, right? But prior to that, I had some experience working at Goldman Sachs. I had a few roles there. I worked there for four years. But I also drove a lot of initiatives for the Latinx community there as well. You know, I've stuck around Utah for so long that, you know, I've, I've fallen in love with the, the location, where I'm at, but also we have so much work to do here in our community as well. And Dave? Yeah, so uh, I'm 25. Uh, my name is Dave Kassler. Like the intro said, I work in the aerospace industry. Um, I've been in that in that industry for, I think coming up on seven years now, about three and a half, four of which have been as a production supervisor. Grew up in Utah, you know, spent my whole life here, went to school here and just enjoy the state, like living here. And uh, I think there's a lot going on. True Utah sweet. boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Dave, if you had it real quick, Dave, if you had a Tinder profile, would your first picture be you holding a fish? Uh, I prefer not to answer that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it probably would be Dave that's a utah boy dave is pleading the fifth and dave if you ever did have a tinder profile do not do that do not do don't that. that don't do that it's an instant swipe left instant swipe left i'm telling you right now right don't do it 100%. don't do it we know that there's a lot of fish out in the sea we don't need you to say it we don't need you to show it just don't do it <laughs> Have a cute little bio. It'll work better. All right. Good to know. How would you say you saw money growing up? Do you feel like your family or environment affected you when it comes to finances? Oh, hell yeah. Generational money trauma. Yes, of course. So my parents are obviously immigrants from El Salvador. And through our life, you know, my dad did his very best to become the entrepreneur that he is today. But through that journey, there was no one to advocate for, you know, his education of just like being a normal, like American, not even American, but just being someone in the society of America, right? So through my life journey, we went from success to poverty, to bankruptcy, eating frijoles and rice, you know, for weeks, going to the food bank during the 2008 recession because we were you know my dad is a landscaper entrepreneur I look up to him and during the recession obviously the housing market crashed so that affected his business which affected our lives and I I think I've talked about this on my page but when I was 12 years old my dad looked at me in tears and like sat me down and was like Leah I need you to know that you need to do better than me I need you to know that my mistakes are my mistakes I want you to learn from them because no one, no one taught me what I was doing. And as an immigrant, like you have no one helping you get a loan, having no one help you run a business. And he had to figure that all by himself. And so he made like, he kind of imprinted that in my brain, like be better than me, be better than all my mistakes and never make my mistakes. And so for me, growing up and seeing how we went from, you know, success to poverty, scarcity, and then just kind of to, you know, bankruptcy and building from there, I was like, this is why I need to study finance. I need to understand how money works in America. Now, that's, that's why I love this topic. I love finances. I mean, I started studying it at the age of 15 because I was tired of seeing the struggle in our community and my family. And I needed to understand the why behind everything. So, of course, I have, you know, I, you know money 
that because of the way I saw my family lose all their money is the reason why I'm here today, really. That is honestly super respectable, you know, that you are literally like taking the path to break that generational struggle. Honestly, that's really awesome. Thank you. I know. No quise llorar. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure everyone in our community has something similar of an experience of, you know, of loss of money or living paycheck to paycheck or, you know, just the struggle. It's happened at least once in our lives because to us, we're so grateful. We're so humble that we take shit from anybody. Then the day we just try to live our lives and, and try to, you know, make ends meet. And we're happy with that. We're content with that. And yeah. And, you know, in my head is like, we got to stop being content because we have a right to invest. We have a right to save. We have a right to build our wealth here in America, just like anybody else. I have a lot of respect for you because what you're saying is true as BIPOC, as a Latina woman myself, we've been constantly told, like, you don't belong in this section. You don't belong up here. You can only play the game from down there. And then, you know, when you look at jobs, you're like, well, how much do I qualify for? How much can I get? Uh, And, you know, I'm just like comparing like job wise, like, you know, there is a difference between how much Latinos make, how much black people make, how much Asian people make, how much white people make. That is a thing. And it's not fair because a lot of these people have the same education or the same background or the same like years of experience as as say like a black person next to a white person. Like it's the same thing, but the color of the skin like changes like how much they're going to get paid and that's like I I think it's not fair but for you to be like we're gonna change it by starting with ourselves and then changing the game you know externally I think that's what's really cool because like we've been looking at it from like yeah yeah we haven't been thinking outside the box and that's what you've been doing and I'm like honestly where has she been my whole life like all of a sudden everything starts making sense but I have a lot of respect for you because you're making it in a way where people like me can understand and be like okay I I can do this I can grow my wealth and I can make my wealth 10 times more than what I have right I just think that you know I didn't see anyone advocate for me I never saw anyone advocate for my family even like when I was applying for jobs I did that all by myself I got into Goldman Sachs by myself because I was like, fuck it. I need to apply to jobs after college and I don't know where I'm going to work. Right. So I was, I was applying everywhere. And trust me, I had to prove my worth everywhere I went. And I don't know if it was safe for everybody else, but I know I worked hard. And so when I got the position at Goldman Sachs, I was blessed because I was like, shit, like I did this on my own. I had no one get me in. Like I never had an internship anywhere. Like I didn't even know really the, the whole idea of an internship in a corporation. I had an internship here at like an RIA, which is a registered investment advisor locally here to where I am. And, you know, that was my idea of like, I was going to say small town, but like in my head, I knew deep down in my heart, I was like, I have to think bigger than myself. I have to think bigger than what I've known because, you know, for so long, we just, we accept whatever we take because we're so humble and we're so grateful for, you know, being in America, our parents being in America, being born in America, Um, being raised in America so we just we're so humble we just kind of like undersell ourselves when it comes to you know even job market even like saving investing just like our life in general we kind of undersell ourselves because like I said we're too grateful we're too nice and I think it's time to get our wealth in the bag because it's our God-given right and it's time to really like 
take we take shit from nobody we can't take we don't take shit from martias then how are we going to be taking shit from these other motherfuckers like i don't know if i can swear but like all these other people (laughs) you can swear i agree with all of that because i definitely feel like there has been in the past a lack of representation um you know for like for bipoc people and someone to look up to and to kind of not feel intimidated by and more welcomed you know like that's not everybody but it is nice to now see in the future and what the the paths that are being paved for everyone and for people to say everybody deserves this everybody deserves this knowledge and so here I am giving it out to anybody who'll take it I will say on both sides on every, every color every race every age generation there are people who are lazy and do feel entitled um, but there are also hard workers and people who are ready to give it their all and to go in and like take all the knowledge they can to change that generational financial curse burden path whatever it is that their that their family had so people like you Leah like that's awesome all right Dave Dave yeah <laughs> how, is, how would you say that you saw money growing up I think it was it was kind of similar maybe a little bit different though um, you know growing up in like a middle class family I mean typically we, we weren't really in that poor range, I guess, but we were definitely in that lower middle class of like not having a lot of extra money for things. You know, a lot of times uh, my parents did struggle. There was a a big section in my life where I think my dad was working two jobs just to make ends meet to provide for, you know, me and my three siblings, uh, our family. I think kind of like Leo was saying though, a big thing I think with every family is unless you get taught that financial literacy stuff at home, you don't really learn it. You know what I mean? Like schools don't teach it. You don't you don't teach it unless you seek it out and you and you want to go out of your way to learn it. So I think growing up, I saw a lot of that of just, if I was interested in money, I would go out of my way, try to learn it myself. And I think just watching a lot of the mistakes, I guess, maybe not even mistakes. I don't know if I'd call it that. Like it almost feels rude saying that my parents made a lot of financial mistakes, but le- seeing those mistakes that they made and then learning from that, you know what I mean? Seeing the things that they did and then realizing as I got old, as I got older, like, okay, if I can avoid doing that financially, I'd be more stable. I'm just kind of paying attention to those, those types of things and trying to avoid the pitfalls or the mistakes that you see other people in your life making. I agree. I understand what you mean by saying it sounds kind of rude saying, you know, your parents made mistakes, but like they're human and all of our parents made mistakes. But I, those mistakes, if we did pay attention to them, definitely help and can be very beneficial to our lives because we realize and we notice what we don't want our life to look like. I think you both summed it up really well. As shitty as it might sound to be upright and honest about the fact that like our family's choices affect how we make our finances today. I think we need to recognize that that's a fact. And then what, and then apply what Leah was saying and apply what you've been doing, you know, like how do we change it? How do we break that cycle? How do we move from here? And yeah, I think it takes, cycles. I think it takes um, also accepting your story. Like Dave was explaining, like, he's like, I saw my parents, what my parents did. And I, you know, how to accept that move forward and learn, you know, learn and move on. Right. But I think the acceptance and ownership of, you know, obviously you come from this, like, that's kind of where you come from. You come from poverty. You come from either, you know, you are a lot of people don't have financial literacy. doesn't matter the ethnicity, like, you know, not all of us understand the concept of money and the concept of building wealth. And so it's generation money. That's what I like to call it. Generation money. This is a generation where we take advantage of the information available to us 
start conquering our wealth because we're not living in the past no more. Yeah, I think that's that's one thing too, like the only ethnicity, it's age too. I think when you're younger, you just kind of think like, oh, they're my parents, they're older or whoever, you know, they're mm-hmm. older, they know what they're doing. And then you kind of get to that age and you're like, oh shit, never mind. Like you didn't know what you were doing, you know, just because you're old or older doesn't mean that you have financial literacy or that you're smart with finances. You know, you could still, you could be 45 years old making really poor financial decisions if you don't understand it. Well, I think that's like a good segue into the next question we have here. So Leah, what made you want to start your business? Because it's it's a business that you have. Yes, I thought about this in December of 2020. Um, I was pondering through, you know, the sweet conversation my father gives me every so often, like, don't forget about your people. You know, like you have to be be there for your people. Don't forget where you come from, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm sure a lot of our parents say that to us, like, don't forget, especially if you're a person of color, you know, don't forget your raices. And so that was pondering with me as I was slaving away in corporate America at Goldman Sachs working uh, like I was working 15 to, you know, 12 to 15 hour days. And it was exhausting because I, I don't want to say I suffer because I take ownership of my disability. I have a severe depression and mild anxiety. And so I was going through this journey of accepting that I have depression and anxiety and working these hours. And in December, I was like, I'm tired of this shit. Like I, at the end of the day, who do I really want to serve? Do I want to continue making the rich richer? Or do I want to go back to my roots and actually serve the community that I was raised with, the community that I've seen suffer for generations, right? Because even then, like, even if I I was working in corporate America, still helping my friends who are entrepreneurs, because a lot of my community and a lot of, I guess our community in general, we love to start our own businesses. It's just like, whether it's, you know, selling botanas, selling, you know, clothing or, you know, eyebrows, lashes, you know, I think entrepreneurship, especially during COVID rose. And I kept seeing on Instagram, people launching their businesses without looking at the legalities, looking at the financial aspects. And so I was like, I got to do something here. Right. So in January, I started preparing the construction of my business from the behind the scenes. In February, I had a conversation with my management about, you know, hey, I want to run this side gig, like, is this okay? I was also getting underpaid. So I needed another thing to help me pay off my 40k in debt. If you didn't know, I had 40k in debt. Um, So I needed another way to make more money. So when I sat down and had this conversation, it just went south, they didn't support me, essentially, the firm itself didn't support me. So it was literally picking between my passions, or my career at a corporation. And trust me, it was heartbreaking. I'm still healing from this. But the more I talk about it, the more I accept the story that a version of me died when I left and decided to quit Goldman Sachs. And that's when Landa Verde Collective went full on because I was like, I literally just left my career for this. So I'm about to give it my all. And so that's when this was in February, March, I launched 100%. Landa Verde Collective, I was first starting out helping entrepreneurs with, you know, starting their businesses, but in reality, my passion was helping them with their wealth. So now I help entrepreneurs, literally, you know, people who work nine to fives, people who, you know, are in the middle of the careers. I help literally everyone with their wealth now. And that's kind of how Landa Verde Collective grows is just really thinking about who do I want to serve? Do I want to make the rich richer or do I want to make my community richer? So I chose my community. 
a boss bitch. That's what it is. <laughs> a boss bitch. Also, I mean, do you want to tell them like when you started working at Goldman Sachs? Because you started young, girl. Like, yes. Yes, I did. I was probably the youngest in my class, the youngest at the firm. I'm like 100% confident I was the youngest individual to serve at Goldman Sachs. I was 19 years old. I wasn't even allowed to drink, girl. <laughs> like, I was working. Um, so it's mandatory to work 50 hours at Goldman Sachs a week. So I was 19 years old, working 50 hours plus at Goldman Sachs, learning this whole corporate realm and trying to be an adult. I guess. <laughs> so it was, it was a fun, exciting time. I mean, I matured really fast. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think I've been mature in nature. I graduated right with my bachelor's at 19 and six months later started at Goldman. So it was a journey though. Everyone would treat me a little bit different though, because they're like, you're an infant, you're a child. But then when I kicked ass at my job, they're like, oh, she ain't no child. Right. So it was a, a different experience for sure, because I think a lot of people wanted to take care of me while I entered Goldman Sachs, but I didn't need to be taken care of. I just needed to know the ropes and a Latina knowing a corporate environment is hard because we, we, we were not made for corporate. I think like we were not raised to be in corporate, <laughs> like we're outspoken, we are sassy, we have opinions and the corporate environment sometimes does not accept that. So it's just navigating this whole realm and like code switching, I guess you could say, and becoming this professional version of myself, like presenting and pre like preparing PowerPoints. And I was just like, who am I? Like at home, <laughs> I'd be like dancing to Como La Flor. And then over here, I'm like, you know, presenting to senior executives. So yeah, that's, I started at 19 and I left at 23. So, yeah. <laughs> crazy. That is crazy. That's, yeah, that's wild. Wow. I will say, I think Dave and I could definitely relate to being young in an environment where nobody was as young, I guess. So, like, Dave, you could talk about it a little bit more too, but we both work at the same place. And I started working there when I was 18. I turned 19 soon after, but the next oldest person above us was 25. And so me and Dave were 19 years old working in the aerospace industry and people used to, I mean, I don't know about you, Dave, but especially for me being a woman and a Latina in like a STEM job, people used to definitely look down at me or be like, oh, can you even do this? Oh, you're such a little girl. Like, you know, are you understanding? And then it turns out that I was good at my job and I kicked ass and turned right back around and said, fuck you, you know? And right. Dave was so young too, when he started there, like Dave, were you 19 or 18 when you started? Yeah, I was 18. I think I started like a few months after I turned 18. Yeah. And so you started at a young age too. And then you worked your way up to be a supervisor. Uh, me and Dave worked together and for a while he was my boss and now he's a supervisor in another department. So he, are you the youngest supervisor there? One person has me beat by a few months. So I became a supervisor when I was 23, barely after I turned 23. One other guy has me beat. He kind of likes to brag, but he has me beat. He became <laughs> a supervisor like two weeks before he turned 23. So he was technically 22. So he's technically <laughs> the youngest, but uh, yeah, definitely up there. Definitely one of the youngest. And I think that was kind of, that was hard. I think for a lot of people to accept, you know, was mm -hmm. like Evelyn said, we had a lot of older people working there. So, you know, me coming in and now being uh, somebody's boss who was, you know, 45 years old, 
30 something years old, you know, and uh, they're yeah. kind of like, well, who the fuck is this guy? Why is this, uh, you know, 23 year old, someone who's half my age uh, telling me what to do, you know? I think that's yeah, definitely a problem we both had there. Yeah, that's definitely a generational thing. And I feel like a lot of more people in our generation are starting to see that and starting to experience that because uh, like Leah said, we are taking the reins of our life and we are starting to realize, hey, we can do this. We can um, work our way up to management and to other positions. And older generations may look at that like, whoa, like you're not ready for that yet. When in reality, like we've taken on the work to be ready for that, you know? Oh yeah, which which is funny too, because anybody that had a problem with me or even with you, you know, at, at that place wasn't somebody that was in that position, you know, like that negative, like you can't do this. You're not ready for that. That was never coming from somebody that was already in that leadership or management or, um, you know, higher tech level. It was usually coming from somebody that was at the same level as when we got hired or someone lower, you know what I mean? Someone that kind of wanted to pull you down and didn't want you to be better than them in some way, you know? Right. And it's kind of like they were those people that you wouldn't want to take advice from. They give advice to everybody and you don't want to take advice from them. And you're going to meet those people everywhere and every like work realm. And they're going to, they're going to feel like they're above you. And like, just because of their age and they're telling, or just because, you know, like they've been there longer or whatever, they've been there longer. Right. And they're going to want to make you feel smaller. But in reality, if you're not, if you wouldn't go to them for advice, like don't listen to it. Can I ask you a question though? How did you guys feel be, being bosses of, you know, older individuals? Cause I remember working with on projects where obviously a 20 year old is working on a project. I was a project manager. I ended up being an associate product manager there. And my people who worked under me were in their forties and fifties even had been at Goldman Sachs for years and like years, I mean, over 10 years. And I've been there for three years and they were working under me on projects. And I was taking command and leadership roles. And I mean, I fought some people. Don't get me wrong. Some people did not like listening to a freaking 20-year-old or 21-year-old, 22-year-old. Like, didn't matter. I was, they didn't like listening to me. And I would even tell my managers, they're like, it doesn't matter about your age. It matters about your experience. So I don't know how you guys faced it over there. Like, it was just, for me, it was so eye-opening that people even older than me didn't want to take orders from me. But I was the leader from management. Management chose me, you know? Yeah, Dave, I think you got good uh, stories for this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, with those people, I mean, when people would give me that attitude when they were older, personally, I liked it. Like it just for me, it was like it meant I was doing not like better than them, but I was doing good. You know what I mean? Because why would like someone who is doing just as good as you are doing better than you like they're not going to try to to pull you down, you know what I mean? Or make you feel like, oh, like you can't do it or they're not going to they're not going to fight you on it. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of those people, it's like, I mean, Evelyn can, she knows a lot of those people there that, that did have that problem with me moving into that position at a very young age, they don't work there anymore. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not because of me. It was just because of them, you know, they refused to work for somebody younger than them. And they just didn't like the, you know, the choices that management was making. And, uh, so, you know, they found a different place of employment, you know, for them to go work. And I kind of think that's it. You know, you just got to do it. Like you said, it's management that puts you in that position. It's your boss or your boss's boss that made that call to put you there. And at the end of the day, uh, you know what they're doing and they're the one that makes the call. You know, it's not the employee that you're telling what to do. It's your boss. And if they trust you, then there's no. Backing it up here. Is there anything you would say you struggled with yourself when it came to managing your money? Yes, of course. Like another thing, money trauma causes a struggle to money. Part of my journey in this 
finance realm was disclosing that I was, I had 40K in debt, credit card debt loans that literally haunted me for a few years. And, you know, like I said earlier, you can be making six figures, you can be making 70K. I was making about 70K at Goldman Sachs and still live a paycheck to paycheck life, especially if you don't know how to manage your money. See, for me, I found shopping as my therapy through the pandemic. And that's where I probably spent the most of my money shopping on Amazon and on TikTok, you know, Amazon favorites that you should have, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yes, feed me this energy as I was depressed, working hella hours at my job. So through time that accumulated interest on credit cards is ridiculous. And so by, like I said, in December, I just had this like, like reality check, like you can master money, you can know money, but sometimes your own traumas haunt you and your own scarcity mindset picks in and you have your own struggles as well. Like, yes, I ma- I have a master's degree in finance. I got it last year, but does not mean I'm perfect either. So with that 40K, I learned, I, I learned to apply the snowball method throughout January, applied 10K, I paid off 10K throughout the journey in May. And then in May, I sold my home that I had in Salt Lake City. So I had bought a home two years ago at the age of 21. So I was the youngest in my family to do so, one of the first as well. And it was exciting. It was the best thing that I ever did for myself because little did I know I was sitting on a golden egg, right? And I took home 127K from selling my home, which was able to, I was able to use that money to pay off my debt, pay for my schooling because I'm actually in school right now studying to become a financial planner and just kind of, you know, save for my next investments, investing in properties. Um, I'm working on building my next home right now as well. So through that struggle, I had to make a financial sacrifice, but also I had to own, take ownership of my debt, take ownership of my mistakes and relearn my habits. So currently right now, I don't use my credit cards. I don't have a good relationship with them. I accept that, but you know, I understand that through time, I'm going to master them. Don't get me wrong. I will get there. I know the tips and tricks because a girl is in elite credit status. I'm at A20, so I know what I'm doing, but I'm currently not at the best relationship with them. And I think that's okay. I'm open about it and transparent about it. I'll master it. But right now I'm not even using it. So I'm rewiring my habits right now. And I think that's also important to acknowledge that anyone can go through this journey and fuck up. Anyone. You can be a master in money. You can have thousands invested and still fuck up. Maybe you invested a lot in cryptocurrency and you've lost it all. You 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 got on Bitcoin or on Dogecoin. And you lost your money on Dogecoin. Like, you know, you followed the hype. You could, doesn't matter. You can fuck up in finance and that's normal. And so that was my struggle, my own personal struggle with money that happened recently. And I accept it and I, you know, I own it and it's part of my journey. And I can't wait to, you know, I have a, a masterclass this weekend that's around the debt that I accumulated and all the tips and tricks that I learned. And I just can't wait to help more people about it. You know, like it's, it, it's common. Normalizing debt should be a thing. Like it, it's normal. You have to go through it in order to be a good citizen in this United States of America. You have to have a credit score. In order to have credit score, you have to have debt. Literally. I don't have like bad credit, but it could be better. I don't know. Actually, I'm a little self-conscious talking about my, my financial situation. I used to be really good about balancing my finances. Uh, you know, like I had money in my savings and I 
knew what I was spending. I had a budget. I, I had it figured out. I'm not saying I wasn't like you and Dave, but I, I was okay where I was, you know, because I was saving for my car. I had my goals that I wanted, but then I'm not going to lie. COVID really fucked me up because my hours got cut. And so I wasn't no longer making the exact same amount of money that I was making before. So that changed everything that changed what my payments had to be, when my payments had to be made my budgeting, everything. And like, on top of that, like I was still going to school. So I had to pay my tuition and I was paying out of pocket. Uh, you know, I didn't have a scholarship helping me out. So I was a broke bitch, a broke ass bitch. Still am, <laughs> still am. But I think now, cause I have a friend who works as a financial planner and all that. And so she actually helped me make a uh, financial budget plan. Of, of what my spending is, where I got to save, where I got to, you know, allocate my money and all that. And honestly, having what it is that my salary is, where my money's going, having the big picture there, kind of, it was scary. <laughs> Not going to lie, but I think it was needed because I'm like, okay, so as scary as this is, this is where my money's got to go. This is where I got to do. Doesn't mean that I can't, you know, have money and enjoy my life and all that. It's just like, be smart about how you're going to spend your money to be smart about where you're investing and what you're going to do with it. That's pretty much what I've been having to learn in my twenties. A hundred percent. I think, like I said, we all fuck up. You're allowed to fuck up in life in finances. Like this is part of the journey. And I want you to give yourself credit though. Like so many of us beat ourselves up for falling into debt, for falling into bad habits, for falling into excessive spending, whatever it might be, but give yourself credit, honey. No one taught you how to do this thing. Like, <laughs> Give yourself credit. Like this isn't something we were born with. Like we know how to manage money. We're born with this trait. No, like there's something that is taught and something that has to be applied through life. And I'm continually learning more and more about the power of money, right? And how money literally needs a purpose. And like you were saying, now that you have a set out budget, your money has a job to do. Your money has something to do. And that's what it needs. It needs a purpose. So anytime, like I tell all my clients, give your money a purpose. So each account that you have, what is it going to be used for? Is it going to be used for, you know, personal spending, lifestyle, whatever, or like um, business or whatever it might be. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm strong believe your money needs a purpose. And with this wealth journey, like I said, you're allowed to fall back into old habits. You're allowed to rewire yourself and practice new ones. And that takes time. Like, like I said, it's a foreign language to most, you know, most of our communities and especially people our age, people want to live their lives. And I'm a strong believer that you should live it, but also live intentionally, live with spending with intention because Trust me, I get so annoyed when I watch TikTok videos now and it's like my Shane haul, my, you know, H&M haul and then girls be dropping hundreds on clothes they don't need. And I'm like, girl, did you really have to do that? And like, you know, it, it triggers the shopping, the consumerism, right? In us mm-hmm. to go shop for things we don't need. And I'm like, imagine this though. Imagine those $200 that you were going to spend at H&M for clothes you didn't need you put that into the stock market. Imagine the power of compound interest, where that would be. In a year or two, in five years, if you continue to do this, you'd have over 10K. You know what I mean? Like the, the power of money, the power of giving it intention is, you know, what a lot of us need to learn and practice. So give yourself credit for aligning yourself with your wealth, one. And, you know, it's okay to fuck up. It's okay. 
I think how those small decisions, financial decisions kind of add up, you know, and you don't really realize. One thing that I did a little bit when I was younger is I switched vehicles a lot. So I'd buy a car and then, you know, want something else or some of my buddies would talk me into getting something else. So I kind of cycled through a lot of different cars, which really is not a financially smart thing to do. You know, I, I was rolling over neg- negative equity on cars. So then, you know, instead of taking out a loan for 15 grand, which is what the car is worth, I'm taking out a loan for 20 grand. And then the next time you do it, you're taking out a loan for 25. Like it just keeps adding up. So I think just small things like that. And then, you know, kind of the other things she was talking about, like the compound interest and, and that type of stuff. I just don't think a lot of people understand, you know, the snowball effect. Like it's hard to see it when you're not started, but if you just start with a small amount of money, and just continue to contribute small amounts towards that. Like, yeah, for the first few years, you know, it's not going to seem like much, but you know, after a few years, you have your account up to 50 grand or whatever, and you're, you're making interest on that. It starts to be a real legitimate amount, you know? So it's just taking that time. It's going to take three years of not really seeing any progress, but once you start seeing that progress, it's, it's good. And it actually makes a big difference, you know? Power of compound interest is real. Oh Yeah. Wealth is time. Wealth is literally time. It's definitely not an instant thing. You got to stay on top of it. It takes years of investing, even if it's just that small amount, you know, it it definitely makes a difference as time goes by. I think that's a really good segue into the next question. So how do you think our generation feels and views money or how do they view becoming an entrepreneur? Dave, have you go first on this one? That's a good question. I think a lot of people, um, you know, around our age, I think we're all pretty much the same age. I think a lot of people view it kind of as a get rich quick type of thing. You know what I mean? I don't, it, it seems like a lot of people don't really understand the the time that it takes, especially when it comes to investing, you know, me and Evelyn know a, a pretty decent amount of people that invest. I think a lot of times that's what a lot of people are looking for is the get rich quick. They're not looking for the long-term mm-hmm. time that it takes, you know? As far as like entrepreneurship and becoming your own business, I think that our generation is probably one of the best at doing that just because of all the tools we have at our disposal. You know, it's, we have the internet, we have, you know, any type of chat site, you have Google, you can just Google questions about business that somebody back in the day, you know, you couldn't learn it that easy. So I think for a lot of us, it's a lot easier to become an entrepreneur because you just, you have a lot more things uh, at your disposal that help you be successful in that. Do you want to go? Leah? Yeah. So our generation and money, I think, like I said, like even Dave was saying, and we've been saying throughout this podcast, money has, you know, obviously been instilled instilled in us that obviously it's not attainable or it's just, you know, hard to achieve, right? And hard to get. But again, this generation has the power to invest in themselves and have it be more accessible, right? Instagram, Twitter, you know, Facebook, Tumblr, YouTube, whatever it might be that whatever platform you're using, like this information is now accessible, even on Google, right? You can literally Google what's a stock and the answer pops up. You can Google what's compound interest and it will explain that to you. And so we have the power in our generation to master our money. Now it's the matter of, are you going to? And that's what holds everybody back because they're stuck in those traumas. They're, they're triggered every time they hear, you know, and see things about money. And I see it all the time, but that's the thing. We need to overcome our freaking fears. Like if we can jump off, you know, rocks to go to the lake or, you know, 
do crazy, go flying on a plane. Like even those things we can look at and go on Google and figure out what a freaking stock is. We can get on an app and like literally use Instagram and post pictures. We can go on Google and do, you know, our research on money. So the thing is our generation has wealth accessible to them, money accessible to them. It's a matter of them putting the energy. Now entrepreneurship, again, it's also accessible to most of us. It, you know, this generation has the tools, like they've said, to really, you know, put their, like their business out there and really start the journey. The matter is also the education. A lot of people don't really know exactly what it entails to start a business, but there's also, like I said, resources online. And that's where, you know, sometimes we don't put in that, but sometimes we know the skill set, but we don't know what comes behind it. And so there's community resources, like you said, Google, there's people like me, other people out there online that actually like specifically teach individuals how to start a business. So this is the, like I said, this is gen money. This is generation money and I'm here for it. I think that hand in hand, we are the generation that has all of these things accessible to us, but also we are a generation that grew up on instant gratification. And that's where that challenge is, is that like both of you have said, people don't realize how much time this takes sometimes and how much patience is required, you know, for you to see results. Like it's, it's, it's like anything, even, you know, if you start working out, you want to lose like 50 pounds, you're not going to work out one, two, three days and then see that result. You know, it's like a slow build. Um, And that's the same thing, like when it comes to money, but um, we grew up, it's actually really, really interesting. If you look at like generational traits and characteristics is that it kind of like ties into like video games. Um, We grew up on video games and in a video game you would play and you would win and you would get a prize automatically. And that conditioned us to look for instant gratification all the time. Hey, I did this. Where's my prize? Hey, I, you know, I, I accomplished this goal. How come nobody else recognizes it? And that's just a part of our generational characteristics, which is fine. It's just a, a challenge and like a self barrier that we have to learn how to get over and to like push ourselves to actually have the energy and the will to make our lives what it is we want to be. And that goes with anything. Like Leah, you said earlier, you know, like you have or had or, you know, depression and anxiety. I do too. But the difference between me and someone else could be that I have just pushed myself and have just told myself that, you know what, I'm going to make my dreams come true. I'm going to do what it is I want to do. And yeah, it sucks that I have this, but I'm not going to just sit around and like watch my life waste away. You know what I mean? I'm not going to let that define me. And so I am going to put in the work. And that's what it all comes down to is the people who are willing to put in the work and willing to uh, work on themselves, better themselves and their life or people who are not. And again, all the resources are there for us. So. Well, I was going to say, like, <laughs> for me, it's not depression or anxiety. I think one of the main reasons that it pushed me to make better choices in regards to how I spend my finances is <laughs> I'm really exposing myself right now. Um, I compare myself to others like a lot. So I'm always comparing like how, how, where I am, where I stand next to somebody else. And I was like, oh, shit, like I'm barely at level one. and This person's at level 35. How the fuck do I get there? And they're my age. And, you know, they you know, look and talk like me. Like, for example, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I'm a little self-conscious with you guys. Like Leah is a fucking master at finance. Yeah. She's like talking about the credit and all that, but 
this girl has sold already her first home at 24, has a master's, which I think is impressive. And then Dave is out here, 25, just built his own home. And it's like, whoa. And Evelyn has her own house. So it's like, shit. Like, in my opinion, there are things that are impressive to do at the age that you guys are at. And it's like, it's not saying like, why don't I have that? Cause like, I don't want a house right now, like eventually, but not right now, but it's like, okay. I feel like these people have made smart choices in their finances. How can I make smart choices in my finances? So I can also achieve my goals of like maybe getting that new car that I want or booking that travel trip that I want really bad, like in Europe or whatever, you know? So it's like, that's really what it is. I don't know if it's necessarily like jealousy or comparison. Like, I think it's both of it, but it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of want to say it's like healthy. Like, it's kind of like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it kind of thing. I'm not really like jealous of what you guys have. I'm just kind of like, oh shit. Like if they can do it at their age, then there's hope for me. I, hope I totally, me. I totally understand what you're saying, Steph. I feel like everybody feels that to some extent everybody can look at anybody else and be like, oh, that person has this that I don't have. But even to you though, like Steph, I look at you and I'm like, Steph, you have, you just graduated with two degrees, you know, and I'm still working on my degree. So I look at that and I go, damn, Steph is above me in that way. I don't think it's a bad thing to compare yourself to others as long as it's healthy. There's a difference between like toxic comparison and kind of like a healthy standpoint, looking at it, of kind of like inspirational kind of like, oh, you know what? That's cool. If they did that, I can do that. Or I want to do that because they did that. There's nothing wrong with that. Again, as long as it's at, at a healthy level, because it also like, that's a part of things that push you to be the better person you want to be. Like everybody inspires everybody. Like, even if you don't think so, like you could look at somebody who doesn't have their life together at all, is like a shitty person with money and just is somewhere you don't want to be. And that's inspiring to you because that's you going like, oh, I don't want to be that. So literally any person you meet inspires you in some way, whether it's good or bad. But it's and just want to say for everybody out there, too, it is so normal for you to compare yourself to others it's, it's just normal for us to look at others. Like we literally, it's kind of like the, condi- like the system we grew up in, you know, in school and in education and grades, like they literally posted our grades for everyone to see, like this person got an A plus I got a D minus, you know? And so that's just kind of been rooted in our, in the way we think, which, you know, it is what it is, but just know like someone else is also looking at you being like, whoa, they're doing this and that's cool. Or I wish I was doing that. Or I look up to her or him doing this, you know? And so, yeah, it's not a comparison. Isn't a bad thing as long as it's healthy and uh, it could definitely be used to inspire, to push you to where you want to go. Let me tell you, I compare myself to a lot of other entrepreneurs out there as well. Sometimes I feel like I'm failing in my business. Let's get vulnerable here, right? Like I'm going to tell you my vulnerabilities too. You're talking about how you, look at my age and look at what I've accomplished, but also I'm living under my parents' roof right now. So, you know, I look like, I, I, like when I transitioned into this, you know, business full time, I felt like a setback. I felt like, damn, like I have my house, I had my job and now I'm living under my parents' roof and I have my own business and sometimes sales months don't go good. And I compare myself to people who are, you know, announcing they made 20,000 a month or they made $10,000 in sales or, you know, even $5,000 and here I am making two to three K a month or even one K sometimes. And it's like, 
how do how do I get there right and don't don't get me wrong I compare myself so you know I think everyone wherever they are in their journey has someone they look up to or someone they're comparing themselves and I I try my very best to just look at as an inspiration and be like you know what I'm minding my business but there's somewhere this is somewhere I want to go with my business or this is somewhere mm-hmm. I want to go with my life like I'm gonna mind my business because I gotta I gotta you know, put those blinds on for me in, in order to keep my mental health and be, you know, sane, my mama business, but also I'm gonna look at these people with inspiration rather than, you know, envy, right? Because I think we're, especially with women, we envy each other, we like to beat each other up. And and I'm tired of that. I'm tired. I'd rather want you to look at me and be like, I want to get there. How can she help me get there? Like talk, you know, be able to talk to these people and say, hey, I, you inspire me. How can, you know, let me know if there's a way like, to get connected with you and feel like I can, you know, get to your level, like, what do you think I could do? And that's like, for me too, I'm learning to practice those things, like connecting with other individuals and be like, hey, like, I want to be where you are. How do I get there? Right. And it, and this journey is different for everyone, right? Everyone has their own specific place where they started and how they got here. Right. But I think there's always someone you're going to look up to or someone you're going to envy and be like, I want that. I want that. But also, like I said, I'm vulnerable too. Some months for me, I have shitty sales months. And sometimes I'm like, shit, I'm barely making ends meet. There's other months that I'm like, okay, well, I made extra good money. And that's where I can like allocate the past month. Sorry, that was my dog. (laughs) Hopefully you can cut that out. Um, But um, I think it just happens to everyone. And I, instead of looking at at envy, we see it as inspiration and see it as, hey, it's okay. It's okay to be where I'm at in my journey. I accept it. I own it. But going forward, I'm going to do some changes. Mm -hmm. Dave, do you have anything to add to that? No, like I think the healthy competition is good. And then just realizing, you know, that everybody's financial goals are going to be different. Um, I mean, even in this in this podcast, I don't think all four of us have the exact same financial goals. You know, there's probably something that I want to do different from Evelyn or that Evelyn wants to do different from Steph. So it's as long as you're setting your own goals, um, using those other people as inspiration, but then just working to meet your own, then you're on the right track, you know? I guess all of that, it all leads to the final question. I think we've led up to it is like, what are some easy tips you guys have for people who are wanting to start budgeting their money better? Like any advice for people who want to start investing? Where can they start? What's, you know, what's an easy route for them to start saving that dough? As a wealth coach, the free methods or Google one, two, reading. If you love reading, there's so many books out there. There's, you know, get good with money. There's think and grow rich. There's so many books out there that you can read. There's also podcasts. I'm a lover of podcasts, financial podcasts that, you know, teach you about personal finances, the day-to-day living of finances, but also Instagram. If you're going to be scrolling all day, follow finance accounts, wealth coaches, people who are doing the thing, financial freedom accounts, whatever it might be, you know, where you're spending most of your time, try putting like implanting the seed of information and following content that you need in your life. So, you know, that's my high recommendation in order to get that knowledge, but also there's apps out there that can help you with budgeting. I use, I tell all my clients to use Mint as a budgeting app. There's also um, Truebill, there's all these apps and resources out there that can help you get in line and help you align your wealth where you need it to go. It's a matter of consistency and building those habits. But with investing as well, 
I think investing, I am going to say this over and over again, no matter what platform I'm on, invest in something you understand. Do not go be investing in stuff that you don't understand because of the hype, because you saw a tweet about a stock or you saw an Instagram post. Don't be investing for the hype. Please do your research on what you're going to invest in. There's robo-advisors. There's so many platforms. Like You can independently invest by yourself with just using a, a platform like Fidelity or Vanguard or Charles Schwab. These are all companies that like help you set up accounts with them to start investing. But then again, like there's so many methods and it's just more, you know, putting, giving that education. Yeah, I think main advice for, you know, budgeting and managing your uh, money a little bit better. One is just kind of take an honest inventory of, of your finances, you know, sit down, look at what you're spending money on, what you can maybe cut back on, where you need to improve on saving. You know, if you want to set aside more money for investing, I think that's the thing. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't have the money to invest. It's like, no, you do. Like if you, you really sit down, you want to budget your money a little bit better. Look at where you can kind of cut back on some expenses. Like you, you definitely have some, it might not be a lot. I might, like I was saying, like everybody's goals are different. So you might be investing less than somebody else, but you know, everybody, if it's a priority, um, everybody has the means to do it, you know? And then the other thing, you know, just trust where you're getting your advice from, uh, kind of like we were talking earlier, there's people below you that, you know, give unsolicited advice or want to tell you something that might not be best for you just to kind of pull you down, trust you're going to, you know, I have a really probably small amount of people I'll actually talk to about finances in my life. Cause I just honestly don't want a lot of people's opinion on it. You know, if I'm going to talk to somebody about finances, I want to talk to somebody that's either more successful than me or makes more money than me or is better than me. That's the person that's really going to be able to give you that good advice. So just kind of watch you're going, getting it from. But Leia kind of covered everything good with the investing. You know, there's plenty of apps. There's plenty of ways to get started. You know, again, we live in a generation where we have access to a lot of stuff that people didn't. So you can start investing on your own from home. You know, that is kind of scary, though, too, because if you don't know what you're doing, you do have potential to lose a lot or all of the money that you put into something. So if you would rather have somebody else do it, you know, there's there's companies made for that. You know, you can go somewhere, open an account, invest X amount of money every month with them. Um, and then they manage that money for you. You know, they invest it, they move it, they make sure that it grows. So I think there's there's a lot of options when it comes to that. It just depends on what you're comfortable with. I think this was a really good and- yeah. informative episode informative episode <laughs> yeah. and i think a lot of the conchitas will really listen to this and i mean people are always trying to see where they can grow as far as like money knowledge you know and how to benefit yeah. themselves and so i definitely think this is an episode that people will really like i have i know personally a lot of people who've been talking about like i want to know about investing and how to finance my budget my money better so I want to send them towards this episode because one, free promo. And two, so they can listen to Leah, check out her website and check and listen to what Dave has to say. Thank you guys for coming on. Thank you for having me on. It was an honor to be on your podcast. I love the title, Seth Conchas, and also how you call your audience Conchitas. <laughs> it just makes me want to have a cafecito right now. <laughs> and go get some Conchas and dip that shit in. But Really, thank you. Like, again, wealth, if I, there's anything that I can tell your audience is you take ownership of your finances and your journey starts now. Your journey does not start tomorrow. Your journey starts now. So even if it's just opening your bank account and seeing how much money that there's in there and how much you have left to spend, meaning for your bills and everything along those lines, that's the first step that you can do for yourself. But thank you again for this opportunity.
Yeah, thanks for having us on. It was uh, it was really good. I appreciate it. Well, that wraps up the episode. Thank you so much to Leah and for Dave for joining us on this week's episode. I'm going to give them a chance to shout out their social media accounts if you want to go ahead and follow them. Yes, you can follow me at Landa with the Collective on Instagram and on Twitter. My name is Leah Landa Verde. I tweet all my little personal thoughts about finance as well. You can hit me up on Facebook at Dave Kassler, C-A-S-S-L-A-R. Thank you guys again for joining us on this episode. Really appreciate having both of you guys and your and your perspective. And don't forget to follow us on our social media pages to be up to date on what we have going on in the Self-Conscious Podcast, such as who our guests will be on upcoming episodes, podcast collabs, small business highlights, announcements, and so much more. Our Instagram page is Self-Conscious Podcast and our Twitter account is at Conscious Podcast. Thank you to everybody who tuned in. Like always, I hope you resonated with the episode. Learn something from it. If you like the episode, go ahead and subscribe to the Self-Conscious Podcast. We are available on all your favorite podcasting apps. And make sure that when you leave us a rating, also leave us a review. It helps to spread the word. And while you're at it, go ahead and share the episode with a friend or family member. The more listeners, the better. We post new episodes every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Eso es todo por hoy. Evelyn and I will see you all next week for a whole new episode. Until then, have a good one, Conchitas. And remember, don't be so self-conscious.